following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. This morning we're carrying on our series on the miracles of Jesus. And uh, we're looking at a miracle this morning that focuses again on Peter. Uh, it feels like we've spent a lot of the year looking at Peter. We, we've worked our way through the book of First Peter, obviously written by Peter. Uh, we've, the other Sunday, we looked at the miracle of Peter walking on the water with Jesus. And now we come to this miracle in Luke chapter 5, which is really the beginning of Peter's story in the Gospels. It's kind of like we've worked in reverse order and we come back to the beginning of Peter's story, not the beginning of his life, but the beginning of his walk with Jesus. This is really Peter's calling. The story represents Peter's commissioning and the first time that he becomes a disciple or a follower of Jesus. Uh, so in this story, Peter is mostly, if you read the text, Peter is mostly referred to as Simon. And that was his given name. That was his Hebrew name. Later on, his name gets changed by Jesus to Peter. But I'm, I'm just going to call him Peter in this message. I think partly because I would forget to call him Simon anyway. And Peter is the name that we all know him by. So I'm going to stick with Peter. And so Peter was a fisherman by trade. He, he made his living off the Sea of Galilee. And Peter was part of a thriving fishing industry uh, that took place in, in these villages dotted around the shores of the Sea of Galilee. There was a flourishing fishing industry that happened in that region. And Peter had, had quite a significant fishing venture going. Um, he worked with his brother Andrew, and uh, the two of them worked with a couple of other brothers, James and John, and their father, Zebedee. Uh, and so in between them, they, they also hired other people to come and work the boats. We know they, they had at least two boats between them. And so you can imagine this was quite a significant business. It was quite a significant operation. You don't want to picture Peter just as a, as a lone fisherman out in a tiny little boat there. This was probably one of the more uh, sizable fishing operations that happened in, in the Galilee region. So Peter was a businessman and he was a fisherman, but it was a hard life being being a fisherman in those days. I mean, it was long hours. It was summer and winter, obviously outdoors, completely exposed to the elements. It was day and night. Often the best fishing happened at night. And so it was a very physical, very arduous, very tiring sort of job. And so this is how Peter made his, his, his living. And so this particular story, it takes place one morning and Peter and his associates had come in from a night of fishing, but they hadn't caught any fish, nothing. Uh, and you can just imagine, I mean, that would have been so frustrating for Peter. He's been out all night, maybe 12 hours or so, and hasn't caught a single thing. I mean, this was his livelihood. He relied on selling these fish in the market, and so this is a real problem for him. He spent all of this time and effort. He's got nothing to show for it. You can imagine he would have come in grumpy and exhausted, and just wanting to go home and have breakfast and have a good sleep. But of course, what he has to do first is clean the nets. And fishermen had, a lot of their time was spent cleaning nets. It was just part of the job. These, these nets were made of a fabric that would deteriorate and, and rot if it, wasn't, if it wasn't kept clean. And so they would have to spend a long time after each fishing expedition, pulling in the nets and cleaning them all and repairing them if they were broken. So Peter's there 
on the beach and he's, he's washing the nets and he looks over and he sees Jesus. Now, this was not the first time that Peter had met Jesus. This is, don't, don't imagine it quite that way. Uh, we read previously that Jesus has already been in Peter's home. In fact, he's already healed Peter's mother-in-law. So these two are acquainted. Uh, but Peter's not yet a follower. He's not yet a disciple of Jesus. And so Peter looks over. Jesus is there. He, he's on the, on the shore of the lake. And he's already, it, it's in the morning, but he's already got a crowd of people around him. He's teaching them the word of God. But it's difficult for Jesus. The crowd's pressing in on him. And he's finding it hard to sort of communicate to, to, to these people in a way that everyone can, can hear. And so Jesus comes over to Peter and asks Peter if he can borrow Peter's boat to be put out a little way from the shore so that he can communicate better with the crowd. And Peter agrees, maybe a bit reluctantly, but he's, he's happy for Jesus to do that. And so he puts Jesus in the boat, puts the boat out a little way, anchors it there, and now Jesus can sort of teach the crowd from a little bit of a distance and, and manage to communicate effectively to the whole group. So then Jesus finishes teaching, and at the end of that teaching session, Jesus comes back to Peter, and he says in verse 4, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now this, I imagine, was deeply irritating to Peter. I mean, at a number of levels. Uh, Peter has just been fishing all night, and he's just washing his nets. He does not want to go out again now and have to put the nets down for another catch that he knows he's not going to get. Uh, secondly, these nets, they were not for daytime fishing. The, the whole reason that Peter had been out fishing at night is because the fish can't see the nets at night. That's how you get the fish. These particular kinds of nets, they didn't work during the day. The fish could see them a mile off and there's no way they'd come near them. So Peter knows this is not going to work. And thirdly, you've got Jesus here, who's a carpenter, giving fishing advice to Peter, the professional fisherman. You know, I mean, you know how irritating it is when someone tells you how to do your job. And Peter is just thinking, man, what do you know about fishing? But for some inexplicable reason, Peter decides he's going to go along with this. I guess he had great respect for Jesus already, given the miracle Jesus had performed of healing his mother-in-law. Uh, and and there, was enough, there was enough relationship there. Peter was willing. And so he says, okay. He's probably rolling his eyes while he said it. But he gets the nets, puts them back in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. And the two of them head back out and they put the nets down again. You can, you can imagine Peter sitting out there as these nets go down, just thinking, all right, let's, let's give this five minutes. Let's let Jesus have his fun. Let's let him think like he's the great fisherman. And then let's get out of here and finally go home for some breakfast. And as these nets go down, Peter suddenly notices that there are fish gathering in these nets. He probably sees the nets moving a little bit. And maybe, he, he, maybe the water's clear enough that he could even look down and see some fish that were, that were coming into the nets. And sure enough, more and more fish just start finding their way into these nets. In spite of the fact that these were nighttime fishing nets, the fish are just swarming in. And they just keep on coming. As Jesus and Peter are sitting there, fish are just flocking to these nets. And the nets are getting fuller and fuller and heavier and heavier. And it gets to the point where Peter realizes these nets are now so full of fish that they're starting to break. They're actually starting to come apart. He's going to lose the whole catch 
if he's not careful. So now the action really picks up and Peter signals for his fishing partners back on the beach, tries to signal to them what's going on. They quickly grab their nets, chuck them in their boat and they come out to join Peter and Jesus. They throw down their nets and sure enough, their nets start filling up as well. More and more fish flocking into their nets until they're absolutely full as well and starting to break. And then comes the really hard job of pulling these nets in. And I mean, you can imagine these just so full of fish. It would have been such a hard job. They haul these nets into the boat with every pull on the net, another massive dump of fish just come in and, and all over the, the bottom of the boat. They're just filling up these boats. You can imagine probably Jesus was right in amongst it, wasn't he? Rolling up his sleeves there, being the fisherman, helping hauling in the nets. It's such a great kind of human moment, I think, for Jesus. Uh, and so they are pulling in these nets. The boats would have just been filling with fish. Fish up the side of the boats, fish on the bottom of the boats, fish taking up every possible position in these boats to the point there's, there's barely any place for people. They're probably sitting on top of fish. And they finally get this massive haul of fish into the boats. And then they, they realize the boats themselves are starting to sink under the weight of all these fish. It's like the... The boats are actually starting to get really heavy in the water just under the sheer weight of so much fish. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's almost, I can imagine, a comical scene of these boats coming back into the shore and there's just this mountain of fish over the top of the boats with Jesus and Peter somehow there on the boat as well in amongst all of the, all of the fish. And as, as the boats come back into shore, Peter has this moment where he turns to Jesus and he says, if I can find the, the words, he says in verse 8, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And, and I think Peter is realizing there, he's in the presence of holiness. He's in the presence. This, this is not just a man. No, no man can do this. This is not just a normal human catch of fish. There is the power of God at work here. There is something supernatural that's gone on here. And as Peter recognizes the holiness of Jesus, as he sees the glory of Jesus and he recognizes he's in the presence of majesty, Peter is so convicted of his own sinfulness and his own brokenness. Peter recognizes that, that, that he is so far from who Jesus is. And, and he wants to be distant from Jesus at that moment because he's so acutely aware of just how sinful he is. But look at how Jesus responds to Peter in verse 9, end of, verse, uh, end of verse 10, he says, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And that phrase, that sentence, is really the key to unlocking the passage. It, it helps us understand what's going on. It's the key to unlocking Peter's calling, really. This is the commissioning Peter has. And it's the key to unlocking the miracle as well. And of course, what Jesus is doing here is using the metaphor of fishing which Peter knew so well, Peter knew fishing, and Jesus uses that as a metaphor to describe to Peter the job that he's now inviting Peter to step into. The metaphor itself is a little bit tricky, and I think especially to our modern ears, that the image of fishing, is, it's, it's got some fish hooks in it, let's be honest. It's, it's tricky because when we talk about fishing for people, let's just be honest, it kind of sounds like there are these connotations of snaring people or catching people unawares or entrapment. Uh, 
or, or, or dragging people in against their will or bait and switch. Th those kinds of tactics, we, we maybe associate that with, with fishing. Uh, but of course, all of that is not what Jesus is meaning. You, any metaphor is going to break down at a certain point. You have to ask, what, it, what is this metaphor communicating and what is it not communicating? The, the simple truth that Jesus is conveying here to Peter through the metaphor is that just as fish are gathered into a net, people are going to be gathered into the kingdom. That's it. Jesus is saying, Peter, just like fish are flocking to these nets, people are going to be gathered in. They're going to flock in. They're going to get, be gathered to me, Jesus. They're going to be gathered to his kingdom. They're going to be gathered to the gospel. And Jesus is saying, Peter, you are going to have a role in that. It's not just going to be Jesus doing it. Jesus is commissioning Peter and saying, Peter, you are going to fish for people. You're going to be instrumental in gathering in those who are being invited in and being welcomed into the kingdom. This is, this is now your calling, Peter. And Jesus accompanies that calling with this miracle to show Peter what that's going to look like. He is giving Peter a visual image of the job that he's calling Peter to do. He's saying, Peter, this is what it's going to look like when people are gathered in. And, it, and you, you just think, what an incredible catch of fish this was. I mean, think of the abundance of fish that Peter caught that day. If Jesus had just given Peter a normal-sized catch of fish, in some ways that would have been sufficient. He could have made the point. The metaphor would have worked. But Jesus just goes so far above and beyond that. And this is just an extraordinary, supernatural catch of fish. Because he's saying to Peter, there is going to be this countless multitude that is going to be gathered to the gospel. Peter, it's not, it's not going to be just a few people. It's not going to be just one or two that hear this message and respond to it. Peter, there is going to be a vast multitude that hears the message, that hears the good news and responds to that good news and comes into the kingdom. It's going to be a countless, massive, immeasurable number of Peter people, Peter. And it's going to be vast. It's going to be huge. And it's going to be the power of God that does it, Peter. It's just like that catch of fish is nothing Peter or any other fisherman, no matter how experienced they were, could ever have brought in that catch of fish. And Jesus is saying, Peter, it's not going to be your power. It's not going to be your skill. It's not going to be your great arguments that ever win people into the kingdom. It is going to be the power of God at work, drawing people, gathering people in, attracting and inviting people into the gospel and to the good news. A beautiful picture of God's intention to gather people to himself. And so this really then became Peter's job. I mean, from that point, this is what Peter gave himself to. This is what Peter gave his life to. He, he left his fishing business. Now, he, I don't think we need to imagine it quite as dramatically as Peter just dropping his nets on the ground and walking away. He may well have put the business in the hands of his hired men and so on. But he did leave his job at that point. And he, he traded being a, a professional fisherman for being an amateur disciple, an amateur fisherman of people. And he became an apprentice of Jesus. And that became Peter's life. That became Peter's calling, his, his vocation from this point onwards. And he did exactly what Jesus described, inviting people into the kingdom, gathering people into Jesus. And this continued, of course, after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. If you think of the day of Pentecost, for example, Peter stands up and preaches. This is Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches about Jesus and thousands of people are saved. You have this multitude being gathered in. 
And, and, and you wonder whether, as Peter was baptizing people that day, whether he thought back and thought maybe this is exactly what Jesus was promising. This is, this is, this is part of that catch of fish. We're just pulling in more fish here and there's more people that are coming to know Jesus. This is the continuing mission of the gospel. And of course, this didn't stop with Peter. It's not only Peter that was called to this task. Ever since the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, God has been continuing to gather people into his kingdom. This is the mission that God's doing at work in the world today. God is gathering people to himself. He's gathering people into his kingdom down through the centuries, down through the millennium. There have been countless numbers of people gathered into the kingdom of God who have bowed the knee to Jesus and confessed him as Lord and become part of God's family. Billions and billions of people down through history have become part of that multitude. And even today, there are billions and billions of people around the world who are part of that global community, that countless number of people who confess Jesus as Lord from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. So that miracle that Jesus performed is still being outworked. It's like a prophetic sign of what was to come as people would continually be gathered in to Jesus and his kingdom throughout history. God's still doing this today. Now, I know that we can look around today and and some of us can sometimes feel like this isn't happening much. You know, we look at this miracle, there's such a multitude of fish, it's an enormous catch, and, and let's be honest, we can look around today and sometimes feel like, well, the nets aren't particularly full around here. You know, we can feel like, man, it's, there's not, not many fish floating around today, not, not many that are interested. Uh, and it, it can be discouraging sometimes because people seem so resistant to the good news. Um, people can seem so disinterested and, and, and so antagonistic sometimes to, to the gospel. And so we can get discouraged and feel like there's this disconnection. Well, I think one of the things that's so important for us is to be able to get a global perspective of what God is doing and not just look at our own little patch. If you look globally at at where God is working and moving and where Christianity is growing, there's some phenomenal stories that are going on. You know the country where Christianity is growing the fastest right now? Iran. Of all countries, Iran. You know, one of the most closed countries to Christians, one of the most persecuted countries for Christians, and yet there is revival going on in Iran. Um, More Christians have come to faith in, in Jesus, more people have come to faith in Jesus in the last 10 or 15 years in Iran than the previous thousand years, people believe, in that country. There is an amazing spiritual awakening that's happening there. And do you know the country where Christianity is growing the second fastest? Afghanistan, of all countries, I know. I mean, th- this is, again, an incredibly persecuted country. And you know why it's happening is because a lot of Iranians are coming over and evangelizing their Afghan neighbors. It's amazing, isn't it? And so the gospel is spreading in these parts of the world that we would least expect that to be happening. The gospel is spreading in some amazing ways in some surprising parts of the world. The gospel is booming in China. It's estimated there's as many Christians in China now as there are members of the Communist Party. Uh, Christianity is flourishing in parts of Africa, parts of Latin America. God is doing amazing things around the world. And so we need to be reminded, even though we may not see that same growth across Western countries in this season of history, we need to know God is still building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we need to be reminded God is still working here. 
God's still working in, in our city. God's still working in our communities. God is still at work close to home, drawing people to himself. Uh, I just think of a, a guy who I met earlier in the year. I spoke at a, at a conference, and this was a Christian conference, but there was about 10 to 15 people that came along to this conference who weren't Christians. And they purely came along because they were interested, interested in knowing more about God, interested in being part of a Christian community, uh, interested in, in seeking and exploring. And there was an openness of heart. There was this one guy who uh, introduced himself to me on the first day as the resident atheist at the conference. And we had some good chats along the way. And by the end of the conference, he had a greater openness. He was more interested in the Bible. He wanted to go away and read some stuff. He, he was seeking, like he was really exploring. Now, I don't know whether he's made that final step of faith to become a follower of Jesus yet or not, but he was on the journey. And it just reminded me, God is at work. You know, let, let's not assume that, that, that nothing's happening or the Spirit's not moving. God is working and God can change the hardest heart and God can get through to the toughest soul and God is still drawing people to himself. Let's be open to it. Let's pray for it. Uh, let's, let, let's look for it. And God's calling to us is the same as it was to Peter. Just as, as Jesus said to Peter, you are now going to go out there and be a fisher of people. Jesus says the same thing to you and I today. That's our calling. That's our mantle is to become fishers of people. And again, this is not to be duplicitous or deceitful in any way, but it's simply to invite others to receive the life-giving, eternal life that we've received in Jesus. And it just starts by praying. I, I want to encourage you to pray for people around you that, that you know, friends, family members who don't know Jesus. You know, before we, we rush out there and say things, let's just lift them up in prayer. I'm challenged that I don't, I don't pray enough for people in my life, in my world, who don't know Christ. And when we pray for them, we get God's heart for people that don't know him. We become more in tune with the heart of God and we feel the burden that God feels for those who don't know him. Uh, we become convicted of the need to reach out to others with the good news. Uh, and we find ourselves, I think, when we pray for others, we find ourselves more aware of the opportunities that are there to, to say a word gently, lovingly, respectfully, uh, but to share maybe a little bit of our story, to have a spiritual conversation, to have a God conversation with others. And it, it's sort of like our spiritual antenna goes up and we just become attuned to the opportunities that are all around us at many moments to be able to bring a Christian perspective into different issues or share a bit of our story or share a bit of God's story with someone. That all is grounded in prayer for those around us who, who don't know Christ. And so I, I want to encourage you just as one first practical step today to lift up in prayer those that you know who don't yet know Jesus and just pray God's blessing in their life and, and pray that God would draw them to himself, just as he's drawn you to himself, that he would be at work in their life. It's, it's, a, it's a miracle of God every time anyone ever bows the knee to Jesus. It is not going to be your work that does it. It's not going to be your words that do it. But your prayer can be powerful and effective. Yes, God calls us to speak, and he does call us to show the love of Jesus in action. But uh, my, my heart and my challenge for you this morning is to start by praying and simply praying by name for those you know who don't know Jesus. 
as, before we close, let me just give you one more scripture because I want to show you the, the ultimate ending of where all of this goes in the biblical story. In uh, Revelation chapter 7, right at the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, uh, John sees this picture. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Now that picture, that is a picture of one day when Jesus returns in the new creation, the community of all those who follow Jesus, all those who belong to Jesus, all through history and right around the world, that community of people will be gathered together as one before the throne of God. What an amazing moment that will be. Peter will be there. You and I will be there. And that moment, that countless multitude, will be the fulfillment of the miracle that Jesus performed on the beach that day with Peter when he gave him that incredible, miraculous catch of fish. That was a sign of the great multitude that was yet to come. And that's carrying on now through, through our part of the story, but it's going to be fulfilled one day in the new creation. And on that day, then we will see the final number. Then we will see the fullness of that massive, immeasurable group of people who have bowed the knee to Jesus. And so that vision should excite our hearts. It should inspire us in the present. It should lead us to pray that God's kingdom would come and, and His will would continue to be done. And it should embolden us. It should give us some courage to continue praying and continue sharing the faith that we have and the story that we treasure, the story of the gospel with those who don't know Jesus, that by God's grace and by God's power, many more may yet be gathered in. And so let's take up that mantle. Let's hear those words that Jesus said to Peter, spoken to us today, that we will fish for people. Let's take that as our calling. Let's hear that as our commissioning. And let's participate in that work that Jesus is doing in our world and in our neighborhoods today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this, this work of drawing and gathering people to yourself that has been going on ever since you first stepped foot in this world and it will go on until you come again. Jesus, now in this moment, we want to lift up to you people in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our social circles, and just in our world who don't know you. And Lord, we know that you so deeply love them. We know that, Jesus, you have died for them. We know that your heart is that they would be drawn to yourself. And we just want to ask that just as you miraculously led those fish into those nets that day, that God, by your grace, you would miraculously lead those people to yourself, uh, that they would be drawn to life, that they would be drawn to hope, that they would be drawn to find the freedom that comes only in you. God, use us in that. Make us willing. Uh, make us courageous. Make us obedient. Make us people of prayer who uh, lift up those around us to you out of love. And we thank you that all of this is your work, not ours. And so uh, lead us, God, lead us to join you in the work that you are doing around us. We thank you and we give ourselves to this task in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, 
or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shore Community Church, visit www.shore.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shore.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.